What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. During my eighth grade year, which was about four or five years ago in high school, I lived in Pecos, Texas for one semester. And, you know, if you ever had to change schools, changing schools is a, is a rough deal. I mean, you go in there, you don't know anybody, you kind of got the old butterflies going, or maybe the buzzards or whatever. <laughs> Mine were more like buzzards, not these fancy little butterflies. But anyway, I went in there, and, and I knew like one or two people because my mom was from Pecos, and, you know, they kind of said hi to me and everything. But um, my, I had a locker you know, we went in alphabetical order, and my locker was right next to this guy's locker named Anthony. Now, Anthony, I figured out in about four and a half seconds, Anthony was the biggest, toughest, meanest guy in that school. He was the guy that he was walking down the hallway, and it just parted like the Red Sea. He was loud-mouthed, but uh, the dude was, he was like nine foot twelve. He weighed like 385 tons, and his locker was right next to me. And here I am, the skinny cowboy, new in school. You can imagine the ribbing that I got from this guy. And I just tried to keep my peace. I, you know, I tried not to, to get involved with anything. But anyway, so I, I don't remember. It might have been a month into to the year or something. I'm standing there at my locker, and I've got this black shirt on. And it was a pretty cool black shirt. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm getting some stuff out. It's fixing to be the last class period. And Anthony comes up, and I guess, I think he had been in P.E. And they had been, I don't know what they'd been doing. I mean, he was kind of all sweaty and stuff like that. And anyway, he's standing next to me, and he looks at me, and you know how when you've been working and everything, you can go like that with your hands and get all that little gritty, grossy stuff all over your hands? He did that and then looked at me and said, hey, and when I turned, he wiped his hands down the front of my shirt. And I looked down and thought, oh no, I've got a choice. I can just blow this off or I can get killed. That's about the deal that I had done. And so I took a deep breath, and he smiled at me. He goes, how do you like that? I looked at him, and I said, I don't like that very much at all. He said, what are you going to do about it? And I hit him as, I mean, it didn't, it didn't come out of his mouth before I hit him as hard as I could. And if, as big as he was, I caught him unexpected, and he flew backwards, and Lord, I am lying about that. I tried to hit him, and he caught my hand. <laughs> and laughed. I swung like this, and you know like you see on TV, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator, where they catch your fist and laugh? That is really about what happened. He catches my fist, and he laughs. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and within like 
half a second, he goes, Wah! and he pulled my arm behind my back. And he goes, say, you're my daddy. <laughs> and I said, I ain't going to do it. And he cranked on that arm even harder. And I mean, guys, I'm telling you, we can laugh about it now. But when he cranked on it harder, he goes, I'm only going to tell you one more time. Say, you're my daddy. And I sat there and I gritted my teeth. And I said, it ain't going to happen. And he started cranking and cranking. And I literally, you're, you're going to think I'm joking, but I am not. I was literally waiting for the bone to snap. That's how, that's how bad it was hurting. But I refused to say that he was my daddy. And I refused to even cry out. Because I was not going to give him the satisfaction. Today we're going to talk about three more guys in Daniel chapter 3 that refused to bow down. Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, we talk about some uh, three fellas named uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I practiced four hours in front of the mirror this morning to get that out. I didn't get an applause or nothing. Y'all are hard to please, you know it? I will call them from now on Shad, Mesh, and Abe, because I can remember that. So Shad, Mesh, and Abe are in Babylon, and there's a, there's a fella named King Nebuchadnezzar. Don't ask me how to spell that. Now, his name is King Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar has uh, built a 90-foot-tall statue made out of gold of himself, and he goes around and he makes this decree in all of Babylon, the Israelites are captive in Babylon, and he makes this decree that if you hear a flute or a piano or a guitar or a fiddle or whatever the case may be, that any time you hear some music, you got to drop down to your knees and worship this 90-foot tall statue of Okanezer. Well, some time goes on. And some guys come up to the king and they say, Hey, we need. Has anybody ever known a snitch, a tattletale? They ought to just get whooped. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, these snitches, these tattletales, they come up to the king and they're like, Hey, uh, there's three fellas over here, there's three cowboys over here. I ain't doing what you told them to. He said, Who are they? And they said, It's old mess, Shad, and Abe. He said, Bring them in here. And so we pick up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Wow. You talk about an ultimatum. This is a little more serious than whenever your wife tells you, you better take out the tracks or else. Well, it's about the same. Okay, never mind. It's about the same. 
Anyway, so man, Nebuchadnezzar, he is top dog. He is the alpha male of all of Babylon, and he tells Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he tells them, you better fall down and worship this big old statue of myself, or I'm going to throw you into the campfire. Let's look and see what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if He does not, we want you to know, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, you talk about some serious stuff now. These guys ain't joking. They're willing to go to the death rather than bow down and say, Nebuchadnezzar, you're my daddy. But think about this. How many times are we set forth... I have no idea why I just said that. How many times do we come into a situation where we have the chance to do something right? or do something wrong? And how many times do we take the easy way out? Because all those guys would have had to do is maybe, you know, they could bow down and have their fingers crossed behind their back like, God, we're just, you know, we're, we want to live for you. We're not really worshiping this or anything, but, you know, we're just doing this because. There's always an easy way out and an excuse that we use. Now, some people may think, well, I'm not going to bow down and worship anybody, by goodness. But you know what? In God's eyes, sin is sin. He said, Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. So Shad, Mash, and Abe knew that they wasn't supposed to bow down and worship anything else besides God. But in God's eyes, sin is sin. It doesn't matter if somebody's wanting you to bow down or do anything else that you're not supposed to do. Taking the easy way out. How many times have we said, You know what? I know what I'm fixing to do is wrong, but God will forgive me. Because God's like that. He loves me. He'll forgive me for doing this. You know, whenever we, we first moved up to Colorado, um, Ziggy, our little Australian shepherd, for those of you that don't know, he was my wife's dog and my best friend. We gave away every cow dog that we had, gave away everything, and was only going to bring Ziggy. And the day before I left, I accidentally ran over and killed him. My brother had Ziggy's full sister, and when he found out that Ziggy had died, he said, hey, you want Sassy? So we said, yeah, we'll take Sassy. Full sister to Ziggy, kind of help us with the recovery part. And I tell you what, if you ain't never cried over losing an animal or got real teared up, you ain't never loved an animal, and for that, I'm real sorry. So we brought Sassy up here. Well, we found out real quick, even though they looked exactly like Sassy wasn't Ziggy, <laughs> Ziggy never made a mistake. That dude could do math problems. <laughs> Sassy could crap in the floor. <laughs> she was good at it. All over the place. So I'd get in there and I'd whoop her with the fly swatter. You know, you could just talk down to her. She'd get like this. So what she did is she got to going down in the, in the office where there was some nice carpet and she'd poop on the carpet down there like I wouldn't find it. It'd be behind the chair. Yeah, great, look what you did. Did you think I wasn't going to see that? You know what I mean? But how many times do we do that too? 
We know we're not supposed to do something, but we go ahead and do it like, I didn't didn't do nothing. What did you expect? God will forgive me. I can take the easy way out. I can do whatever I want to do because God will forgive me. He's in the business of forgiveness, and I want to be sure he stays in business, so I'll just go ahead and mess up. Taking the easy way out. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Biblical. We need to quit taking the easy way out and throw out the, well, God will forgive me, just as an excuse to do whatever the heck you want to do. How about this one? Everybody is a sinner. How many times have you heard somebody that did something wrong and they go, well, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Well, let me, let me explain something. Let me explain something to you. Everybody lies, but how many of you want to be called a liar? Telling the truth is what cowboys are known for, right? How many times have you boasted, don't ask me if you don't want to know, cowboy? We all say that, but yet we don't want to be called liars, but yet we'll throw it out there. Well, everybody's a sinner. You're okay with being a sinner, but you don't want to be a liar. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Everybody gets scared sometimes, but how many of you want me to call you a coward? Well, them's fighting words, aren't they? You call a cowboy a coward to his face? I hope you get your block knocked off. Because most of them will. Oh, we don't want to be called a coward, but we're okay with, oh, well, everybody's a sinner. Well, why don't we just say, well, everybody's a coward. I'm cool with being a coward. No, ain't going to happen, is it? Everybody says something bad about someone on occasion. How many times have you heard this, or how many times have you said this? Now, I'm not talking bad about this guy, but it happens all the time. Everybody talks bad about somebody for some reason, but nobody wants to be called a double-crosser or a backstabber, do we? Them's fighting words, too. How come we don't want to be called cowards, we don't want to be called liars, we don't want to be called double-crossers, but we are absolutely fine with being called a sinner? Makes no sense whatsoever. And you know what? I don't have any respect for a man that admits to being a sinner as a justification for doing something wrong. It ought to break your heart that you're a sinner. It ought to bother you as bad about being a sinner as it would if you were a liar or a coward. It ought to tear you up. But somehow, we have come to the realization that, oh, we can just take the easy way out. We can la di da di da di da do whatever the heck we want to do, and then we'll just throw it out there. Well, everybody's a sinner. Well, if everybody went and jumped off a cliff, would you do it? That's what your grandma used to say. God will forgive me. That's the easy way out. You can't just go live in your life and claim that you're a believer and a follower of God and then go around doing whatever the heck you please by pulling out the God will forgive me card or, well, everybody's a sinner. Yeah, that's right. We all are sinners. And it ought to tear us up. It ought to break our hearts. How about this? Well, I ain't hurting nobody else. Why does that matter? It don't matter what, by gosh, what I'm doing doesn't matter. I ain't hurting nobody else. <laughs> so, I was, it was a while back, and uh, we were at the arena in Big Lake, Texas. And if David Armstrong is watching this, I ask your forgiveness, David. So we were roping out there, and we kind of got sick of roping. And it was just a few of us guys... And so Chad Armstrong, God bless his heart, if you knew Chad, this wouldn't surprise you any. 
Chad said, hey, why don't we take my dad's two good roping horses and let's buck them out? That's a great idea. Let's do that. So we load his good roping horses, you know, $10,000 roping horses, and we suck them down, and we get these, we loop our belts together, flank them, open the gate! <laughs> we bucked those horses out like 10 or 15 times, and David drove up. David was not very happy with me and Chad. I don't know why. We wasn't hurting nobody else. You know what? Just because you're not hurting anybody else doesn't make it right. The other day, I was working out here. It was the same day that Ace wanted to faint on me. And uh, I was in this pen at, at Chris's house, and my job was to take the cows and put them in this little pen, and then we'd run them through, and we were preg checking and stuff like that. Anybody ever seen a cross-eyed cow? I tell you what, there's this yellow cow, and I'm standing back there, and I just want to paint a picture of this pen. Okay, imagine this right here is where the gate that I'm putting them through, you know, one or two at a time. And then this side is a wooden fence, and you can ask Shane, and you can ask several other people. All you have to do is get this close to that fence, and you'll have splinters all over you. It's just one of those fences. And so this side of the fence is just this wooden railing deal. And then all of this over here is eight-foot-tall tin. You know what? It's a little bit hard to scale eight-foot-tall ten when a cow's getting after you. And so I'm staying over here kind of by the fence. And so I let these three cows in there. And I started looking at this one, and she, she wasn't looking very friendly. She was just standing there, but I couldn't tell if she was looking at me or somebody else. <laughs> and she would just kind of look at me. <laughs> Made me real nervous. She wasn't, she wasn't honoring, nothing like that. She was just standing there. And so I've got my little short stick, and I ain't chousing nobody. I'm leaning on it kind of like those, those uh, highway workers that worked in Texas. <laughs> this is a real hard job. You ought to try it sometime. I'm just standing there. And all of a sudden, whack! That cross-eyed cow, I guess she, maybe I twitched or something like that. She thought there was two of me or something. And I mean, she whacked me hard. And so I scaled the splinter fence and, you know, I had like nine-foot gashes going through me and everything. I went to whooping her with that fiberglass stick. Ah! Didn't do nothing to her. And of course, there's three of them in there. And so I'm putting them through one at a time. And you got one guess who was the last cow in there. Yep, it was that one. And she was standing right by the fence. And so for me to get around her, I had to go over here by this other fence. And so, you ever seen a, a baseball where they're going to steal home base? That's the way I was doing. And I got around here. And the further I got from her, the more nervous I got because I was getting away from my safety zone. And sure enough, here she come. She didn't snort or nothing. She just cross-eyed come right at me. And I dove like that. And she picked me up by the britches, which, let's admit, it's not that hard. She picked me up by the britches and helped me up onto the fence. And I went to whacking her with that fiberglass rod again. And I was screaming. 
Ah! 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 Shane's over there tweeting. I'm fighting for my life. You ready? So I finally get her in there. I told Shane, I said, watch that cross-eyed one. She's mean right there. He goes, really? I said, you didn't hear me screaming? He's like, no. I guess it was just normal for the people in the back to scream bloody murder. But the point is, is that when we sin, we get further and further and further away from the only thing that can protect us. Because there's, there's nine foot tall ten fences over here that you can't climb. But every time we take the easy way out, every time that we sin, we take one more step. And I guarantee you, that old devil, he's probably cross-eyed too, but he's going to do a lot more than muck you out. Stay by the fence. Stay by where it will, you can be protected. Taking the easy way out. God will forgive me. It'll be okay. Everybody's a sinner. I'm not hurting anybody else. Let's look and see what happens. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Kind of sounded like he had a pretty poor attitude at him in the beginning, I guess. I guess he was serious. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, and turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. This thing was so hot that the people that escorted them up there, they, they done caught on fire. 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 Whatever. Get made fun of when I say far. Fur. Shh. We're eating. Then King Nebuchadnezzar lit. He got to his feet. Y'all done got me jacked up here. He leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Here's your sign. They replied, Yes, O king. <laughs> you stupid brown nosers. <laughs> they replied, certainly, O king. I'd like for y'all to start saying, certainly, O Kevin. <laughs> Let's practice. One. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> Shh. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Come here. Come here. So they came out of the fire, and all of the people crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. Wow. Amazing things happen whenever you stand up for God. When you refuse to bow down to those temptations, to that sinful life. Because the, 
I'm here to tell you that one of the few ways, if you really want to experience God, you may have to go into the fire to do it, but what a glorious meeting that would be. You know, this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through His Word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's Word in a way that they can understand. But we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.SaveTheCowboy.com or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net. Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control.